0: Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Samuel Sanders, an entrepreneur and author of the book, Your Next Big Idea, Improve Your Creativity and Problem Solving. And... If you ever been like, hey, I have I have this idea, I think it might be good, or you 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 got like a little seedling of an idea, or maybe you're not even at that stage yet, but you you know that you want to create something that can help people. This book is a must-have resource. And Samuel's given a sneak peek inside of those pages on here. He's also a member of the Nonfiction Authors Association, so he's got all kinds of experience with entrepreneurship, innovation, creativity, problem solving, ideation. With a ton of different Fortune 500 companies and an Inc. 5000 fast-growing company. As well as companies he started himself. So he's got the whole shebang. It's all going on. It's all fantastic. And we're chatting about it all. Samuel, also a huge board game fan, so he's dropping some ideas that you can play, whether you're still cooped up in quarantine or maybe you're going out traveling. Take these games with you. So when you have a little downtime you can play, have some fun. It'll be wonderful. And... We're talking roller coasters, so I hope you're strapped in and ready for a fun ride. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast, and you can always send an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Love hearing from you, and support the show by heading over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop, picking up some merch looking stylish as all get up while you're coming up with your next big idea, and enjoying this conversation with Samuel. I typically ask people to give me their elevator pitch and the type of elevator that we're riding on. And I would still like to hear that. But I saw that you're a Syracuse University graduate. That was almost the school I went to. It was down between Miami and Syracuse. And uh, Miami was like, here's a lot of money to come here. And then Syracuse yeah. was like, we didn't get your transcripts. We don't, uh, like, we don't have a record of you. And then so got sent over again. But by the time they got it, it was already passed where you had to declare. So mm-hmm. alas, I went to Miami, but Syracuse loved the campus, had a, had a great time visiting. But my question is, are they like the biggest lock to make the sweet 16 every year when they're a, <laughs> like just made it into the tournament team? Cause I feel like every year they do it and it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I, I just feel like Bayheim uh, just somehow like works his zone magic to the point where like, so many teams don't understand how to play against the zone because they don't do it all year. And then when like you play a good zone, it works well enough. And then once you're in the sweet 16, it's a toss up because then those teams are really good and they figure it out. But until then, like oftentimes you can catch a lot of teams by surprise with the zones. I think that's the secret formula.
0: Lovely. So, okay. So we've got the, we've got the zone defense up now. What kind of elevator for people who don't know who Sam Sanders is?
1: Yeah. So I think just, sitting with the theme i'm like a a drop ride like uh one of those amusement park like drop ride elevators like i love the excitement and the thrill and like being on your edge and that like feeling of like oh my god what did i just about to get into type thing like i i thrive off that so that that's definitely the elevator that that i'm riding i don't want to ride it forever you know because that would be horrifying but just you know every once in a while like if i gotta ride an elevator that's where i'm going but uh, yeah, the elevator pitch about me is uh, I used to um, work for a large Fortune 500 company, did some business development. Uh, I worked for an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company in their R&D sector. Then I started some of my own companies, including now I work on a company called Herd. And basically what I realized is that Uh, They all of these different types of companies, the large ones, the middle-sized ones, the entrepreneurs, they all think about creativity and innovation a little differently. And we don't really do a good job teaching creativity and innovation. So I wrote a book, Your Next Big Idea, uh, which talks and breaks down the entire creative process and walks people through how to find their own, you know, either entrepreneurial venture, big ideas, or get some creative inspiration.
0: Was this always something that you're like, hey, I need to turn this into a book, or was it you were just kind of chatting with people hearing a lot of the same questions running into a lot of the same challenges and you're like, Wait a minute, there's an opportunity here.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was more of the second. I was a very heavily math brained person like <laughs> growing up. And so writing just was such a challenge. And I think when I got into my career and in business, you know, we we're doing a lot of like analytics on fine. On, well, in my uh, section of business, we were doing a lot of finance analytics and stuff like that. And so like the creativity part, I found f- like refreshing. And then like, I really got into it cause it's fun. It's fun to be creative, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> um, and it just got to the point where one time I was, uh, invited back to Syracuse to speak about entrepreneurship and creativity. And I realized that there were like a lot of students that like, didn't, you know, didn't really understand and, and the process. And I was like, there's a, there's a disconnect here. And what there's a process to being Innovative or coming up with innovative ideas. And when we don't do an effective job of teaching that, it kind of does us a disservice because then a lot of people look and are just like, well, why didn't I think of that when they see something brilliant? Or they're like, I'm just not creative enough to think of that. And really, I want to just, you know, demystify that entire process. And that's why I wrote your next big idea to, you know, help people understand, you know, when entrepreneurs come up with ideas, how they're going about that process.
0: Awesome. What's the most unusual idea you've come up with
1: oh my god um yeah there. like I'd have to open up my my (laughs) notes app which has like tons and tons and tons of ideas I think like recently I was I actually you know for like the book I was working on this idea I was like I wonder if there's a way that you could like uh, effectively tell if someone's drunk before they get in the car, like, so that it would only operate if they would, um, if they were, you know, sober, but there's actually like a, a lot of like, I was like, Oh, just put a breathalyzer in the car. But there's a lot of like challenges with that. Cause it's just like, Oh yo, grab your friend, make him use or her use the breathalyzer. And it just went down a rabbit hole as I was trying to look at it. And I was just like, this no longer or like, no, this would <laughs> never work. No car company would want this. So Maybe there's something there, but I think it was just getting too out of hand. There was points where I was like, maybe they can play a video game to test their reaction time. And I was like, no, you know what? (laughs) They probably want to get somewhere. So
0: yeah. (laughs) Can you speed run through uh, a Mario? Yeah. Real quick. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If a Goomba gets you, it's game (laughs) over. No driving for you. So I mean, I'd get
0: behind that. Yeah, I think you might have <laughs> a, a harder time convincing car companies. So I can't help you with that, but you've got the yeah. support of one podcast. Yeah,
1: I felt like that was, that was, uh, I was like, um, you know, it was on the top of my mind because I remember referencing it. But I, I feel like there's something like there, but it's just not quite worked out. So if somebody can, listening, can figure it out, <laughs> by all means, like take it, run with it, go for it. Like I, I'd love to see that.
0: I, I would as well. So yes, hopefully someone is able to put that into practice. But if not, maybe they're, they're working on another idea. Yeah. Can you kind of give us a look inside the pages, if you will, of what they can expect, like they've maybe they've just got like the little seedling of an idea. What what are yeah. the next steps after that?
1: Yeah, so the first thing like taking a step back before the seedling that I tell people is if you want to find a new idea, if you're like wondering how people come up with the ideas, I always say, look for problems, needs, and wants, and it's kind of sounds counterintuitive because we're not, you know, as humanity, we don't really like to look at the negatives that often, but when you can really hone in on a problem or like a need that someone has, whether, and it's more than just like air or water, it's like, there are, there are auxiliary needs that people have like, oh, I need to have a glass of water by my bedside or I cannot sleep. Like that's, that's something that is really powerful. and so you got to go through this problem identification process to really understand how to come up with ideas and i'll give you like two words to look out for so the first is uh annoy so if like somebody's like wow this is so annoying you know there's a good chance that if you listen there's a problem there that potentially you could come up with an idea with and solve and then Another one is hate. Hate is like such a powerful word. And if somebody is using like, oh, I really hate this, you know, there's a good chance there's a problem there that you could solve as well. So that's like how you start with the seedling ideas. But moving on, like once you have the seedling ideas, it's a matter of erasing some of the stigmas that go with ideas. When I talk about erasing stigmas, like one great example, I think is Circus Deleuze like they had the idea it's like let's create a circus but it's like nothing like a circus because they're looking at the circus and being like okay you know what do we really need to create like an event a circus and they're like okay maybe we don't need the lions maybe we don't need the animals maybe we don't need like you know the different uh different types of things like what really is a performance and that's all what erasing stigmas is all about it's really about focusing on uh you know challenging some of the norms that we have around your idea. So that's definitely the next step. Uh, if you're sure once you have that seedling is to really like challenge it and and think about that, that problem.
0: I imagine you probably took this process while writing this book as well, and and kind of putting all that together. So as far as your creative process, as you were doing this, were you like dictating notes to yourself, you mentioned you've got a, a huge list of ideas on your notes app is that kind of how you put this book together too or were you like i'm gonna I'm a set some time up every day make
1: it happen like that how did that look i think like even more to the point of like going back to this is a good example of the erasing stigmas so i wanted to teach about the ideation process and in order to do that like i've read a lot of non-fiction business books um they're not everybody's cup of tea, but I I enjoy them. (laughs) But a lot of times it just is like a either memoiry where they're like telling their own story and what they learned or uh, just like a lot of uh, like just text that's like advice-y kind of. And I didn't want, I didn't want uh, your next big idea, the book to be like that. I really wanted to challenge what a book can be. And there were two thoughts that I had when creating this book is the first is like, how do I take someone that maybe isn't a real like active love of, or has an active love of reading and still present information in a way that would be really engaging to them. And then the other is how do I take, uh, and make something that even if you come in with some experience, you still can get something out of it. But if you come in with no experience, you're also still going to get something out of it. So that's, how it went to the structure of the book. So the book has like exercises, problems, challenges, like critical thinking, you know, uh, uh, exercises and stuff that you can do that really helps reinforce the information to try and uh, have like a different spin on what a book can be. Uh, So yeah, I was definitely going through a lot of that process when thinking about how to write this book. And it also goes into like the tonality I'm using, like the kind of examples I used really thinking about how I can push past the norms of just being that general business book.
0: <laughs> yeah. And did you have a I mean I, I assume yes, that you had several drafts as you were kind of going through this. I did it kind of look like the final as you were starting or or did it really kind of evolve over the process?
1: I think it's one of those things where um i had so many drafts i let's just start by saying that it was uh, it was a mess i like the first editor that i had look at my book they're like oh the first half is pretty interesting but the entire second half i think that needs work and i'm like oh i put my heart into this you know but it's really important because you know they're uh when you bring on a team of editors uh they really know what they're talking about and like you're more uh directional expert, like, you know, the story, but they really talk about how to effectively use voice um, and, you know, writing style structure to tell a story most effectively. And so it definitely did a lot of moving things around, adding things, getting rid of things. Um, Yeah. And yeah. And then on top of that, when I brought in a designer, that also uh, changed a lot of it because, because it's a book on creativity. I definitely wanted to make the design and the cover of the book something that I felt was really creative or something that I felt like would would match what I'm writing about. Because if I wrote a book on creativity and it was just text, that would be kind of counter (laughs) counter counterintuitive. So uh, that definitely changed a lot of how the book looked as well.
0: And that's that's something else, too, that I think is obviously important. They say don't judge a book by its cover, but so many people do. And especially now people are doing that online they're not in a bookstore they're not like paging through or seeing a shelf or anything they're just kind of scrolling through it's the same thing with podcasts where you're maybe going through like a list of 25 or 50 right in front of you and i i think your your cover is very engaging like i think it's something that would make someone stop if they were in a bookstore or stop scrolling on a page and you mentioned how you were working with a designer which I think, A, is a, a very good first step of, uh, <laughs> yeah. especially for, I can speak for myself, not at all a design, uh, a good designer. I can definitely think up ideas and tell a designer, like, hey, this is like vaguely what I want. Can you turn it into real life? Yeah. I do. And it's always very impressive. So yeah. w- what was your, your sort of relationship with that designer like?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, he's fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> So I'll just give him a shout out here. So yep. his name's David Miles. Uh, he uh, does David Designs books. Is his is his uh, company, and he uh, does all types of interior and cover designs. Um, and I think we we really worked uh, well. We worked really well together. I was probably more detail like on top of all of the details than <laughs> probably a lot of his uh, people he works with. But also because like the design of this book because it's about creativity and really needs to show that, you know, the design elements are much more important. You mentioned a cover, like a cover is so critical uh, for a book. You know, like you said, don't judge a book by its cover. Everybody judges a book by its cover. It's really unfortunate because how it works is you're online scrolling. And then the first step is you got to catch that person's attention. So even, or in a bookstore, they got to see it and then they got to go, oh, what is that? And then they flip maybe to the back or they open the inside cover depending on, you know, how they like to look at books. And then it's like, you got to have another set of like design or sell to get the person to maybe flip through the first couple pages. And then that's when you can actually, you know, get the sale. So it, it really is a like multi-step uh, process. And when we were working on the cover design, we originally like, you know, I explained kind of what I was looking for and uh, he gave back like, I think like eight or so ideas. And I was like, Oh man, I, I don't know if any of these really work. So I went back to him and I felt so bad because he put in so much work to all of these different like directions. And I think over time, like moving back and forth, we we did something that I feel like is uh, is really, is really not only like visually appealing, but the more you look at it, the more you can kind of notice more things going on.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a good job of kind of giving you a lot without being crowded,
1: which yeah. I think
0: is a common common issue with uh things it's either like oh this is super minimal and which which can work but in some cases i'm like i don't know what this is about or yeah. it's like here's you know it's like a sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band
1: level <laughs>
0: <of> <laughs> easter eggs which yes if you're yeah a uh perhaps the biggest band ever sure yeah that works
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah. And then in like interior uh, some of the interior design was inspired by like thoughts I had about the cover, like on top of the chapters, we have that kind of like whiteboard feel where it's just, you know, like uh, you get a sense of what the chapter is about by a little picture. And then like some of the section headers, like it's uh, it's, we're creating like something bigger and bigger. So if you flip through and look at each section header, it builds into something bigger. Um, So we try to do a lot of really cool things in the book and, yeah, uh, uh, the design—you know—design is something that I'm, I'm really proud of, and like would ramble on forever talking about. <laughs> so,
0: awesome! Well, good job, David. On yeah, the, uh, shout on out to design. David. Yes, good stuff. You're also a member of the Nonfiction Authors Association. Yeah, which I think having other writers and and smart people around you always a good idea. How did you get involved with that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so. I was researching how to market as a nonfiction author and I stumbled upon the Nonfiction's author association and they are, uh, they're great. First of all, they give a ton of really great tips. Um, they have like media, uh, leads and stuff like that. They, they, um, you know, have like a lot of online sessions and like different programs you can join and, uh, like internally that you can join to help you know, understand how to better get your book out there and not only just, uh, better get your book out there, but like grow your career a little bit, because when it comes to being a nonfiction author, there's a lot of, you know, there are some authors that are all about the book and the book sales, but a lot of nonfiction authors are using the book to explain what they know and build their credibility back to what they know. And it says like, how do you do that? You know, and take a look at that. So, um, Yeah, I definitely would recommend if you have a topic or something that you feel like, you know, really well, like write about it and um, put it, put yourself out there and see and see, you know, what people think. It could be a little scary, but it definitely, uh, it definitely helps, you know, not only your own ideas about what, you know, grow, um, but just, you know, helps professionally as well.
0: And you queued up my next question very nicely. Oh, yeah. Of marketing, which is uh, another element. I know. I always mess this percentage up, but it's something of like writing is 10% writing and 90% marketing. Your numbers (laughs) may vary. I don't know, but it's something along those lines. And I think that is something that a lot of people overlook, especially if they're super into the writing and they're like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book, but then it's like the marketing side is just a whole new beast. Obviously coming onto terrific podcasts, one way to market, but what else have you found that's been effective?
1: Yeah, so there are a lot of different, uh, strategies that I try to implement just like basically throwing stuff at the wall and figuring out what worked. Cause this is my first, uh, my debut like book. So I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it out as, as I'm going along, but there are, first of all, there's Goodreads, which is like a great place to find readers. Uh, it's like Facebook for books. And so like, you can use that, you can run a contest, uh some of like other things you can do is you could set your book down uh price to 2.99 or less and then there are a lot of deal newsletters you can do to put yourself out there. I tell people when doing media pitching um like to try and get in articles and stuff, it's no one no one cares that you wrote a book and I know that <laughs> sounds kind of harsh, but when you're looking at pitching a book, it's like, okay, what is your topic about and how can I relate that to a story? So, for example, my book's a lot about creativity, innovation, entrepreneurship. So you know, if I'm pitching, I'm looking at like, okay, we're now in the post-pandemic new normal. There were an incredible amount of startups started this past year. Why? And so that's like the pitch I'm giving versus like, hey, I wrote a book. It's like, hey, I can provide value to a news story. And so when you pitch like that, you're going to have a lot more of effective, um, you know, publicity uh, method. And I know that a lot of people are really not interested in the marketing aspect of it. And it is a lot to kind of learn and take in because there's also Amazon ads and Facebook ads and all of that stuff. But it really can go a long way to get your book out there. If you take some time, you know, really understand it.
0: And that's a great note on the the media pitching side of things of finding that problem and solving it. Like a writer or editor doesn't, to use, use your term of hating it, they probably hate when you're just like, hey, I wrote a book and it's like, cool. yeah." How does that help me?
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, and that's the thing. there's like a, so many books uh, out there published, and I tell this not only for nonfiction authors but even fiction authors. It's like, okay, think about the themes in your book, you know, some of the stuff that you're getting across. how does that apply to um, you know today's today's times? If you're writing you know a now oh, let's say a fiction novel about what it's like to be a, you know someone in college, think about those stories of what's happening with universities and how your themes tie together, so it's always. You're always thinking in the uh like almost in the news like newsjacking type of way, like taking over what like would be a news story with bringing in recent relevant data and then using yourself as like the uh the credibility expert for it
0: love a good news jack always love always a good newsjack.
1: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful now
0: a, a question I like to ask is a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. I say it's because it's less work for me i'm I'm having you do the questions and for yours. And we've kind of been touching on this throughout, but yours is you want people to ask you more regularly, where do you find big ideas?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think another question I wish I was asked more often that I don't think people ask enough are is why? Like, oftentimes, we're just so, you know, on autopilot that we just don't, we forget to ask why we're doing things. And when we go and we ask why more often, either to someone else, like, You're doing it this way. Why are you doing it that way? You know, a lot of times it can trigger potential uh problems that you might be able to find. And um, you know, that why question really allows you to dig deeper. Like when I ask what, or I ask, you know, even like when, that's just like one set of information, but the why really is gonna is gonna reveal a lot. And sometimes people are just like, well, that's just the way we've been doing it. And that's like a big red flag because Mm -hmm. if there's no really good why reason then that um, you know, then that's definitely something that needs to be changed.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite responses. Oh, that's just how it's always been. It's like, well, it's been a yeah. lot of things that weren't great that we changed. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and then in terms of like, I'm, a, I'm just gonna uh, take this question a little further because sure. in terms of like when you're going with the ideation process and you're talking about an idea, some questions that I wish people asked more is really understanding, is there a market... For the idea. So you're asking and finding a target market. Does the market want it now? Which I feel like people sometimes mess up because, you know, like if I created a new idea for a typewriter, you know, like that's probably not that exciting an idea to that many people. There are collectors that may find it interesting, but it's really not the right timing. And also works the reverse way. Like if I created, um, like a really advanced technology, it may just be that people are not really ready to adopt that technology. So really understanding the timing is actually pretty important to seeing whether your idea would be simple. And then the last question i tell people ask is really, you know, what kind of resources do you have and where do you, you know, go to find them? Like you need some money to try and start a business. Typically, it doesn't always have to be a lot, but you need some, you need skill sets. You need like different, um, uh, People often uh, times that have these different skill sets, so it's really asking those questions can help, uh, you know, build an idea and get get it further to really, you know, complete that full ideation process and and see if you have something that could work.
0: Aggressive right turn here. We're talking beforehand how you're a big board games fan. We're gonna do yes. that on board games for a little bit. First of all, all time favorite board game. And then have you been playing anything new during the pandemic where you're like, this is, this is the hot stuff?
1: Oh, all-time favorite. You know, it's really hard for me because I love so many different <laughs> board games. I guess I would say that, uh, like, Catan is probably my all-time favorite. I've played that game, I don't even know, so many times. <laughs> like, more than I can count. But during the pandemic, I've gotten the opportunity to play a lot of different, really unique board games, especially because we were uh, stuck at home and it's great, you know, to uh, a great activity to pass the time. Uh, One of the ones that I think is really interesting that I played recently is called Pendulum. And it's the concept behind the game is like, there's this town that uh, the leader disappears. And so everybody, everybody's a noble trying to take power. But what's weird about it is there are no turns. Everything is done being a timer. So it's like there are timers running and like you have to make decisions basically before the timer runs out. So you're trying to run around, do different things in the town. Um, and then like uh, uh, you keep flipping the timers for a certain amount of time. And then when the time is up, it's just like whoever has been able to do the most wins. And that is it's really unique, like and creative in a way that I haven't really seen a board game do before. And so I think that's cool. I'm sure the pendulum makers are just loving the shout out, but <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's definitely something that's been um, really cool and, and really, really unique from a board game perspective.
0: I like, uh, I like that. I think, I know, I'm thinking of at least a handful of people I've played with that will just Take the longest time on their turns, so I. There I like, you go. I like rushing them.
1: I like. Them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, then Pendulum is is perfect because it's just a timed game. Um, but yeah, there there are like other games that I've really enjoyed. There's um this game called Last Bottle of Rum where everybody is a pirate, like out to try and catch some treasure, and it's just uh-huh. like really it's got like funny themes, and you're trying to avoid like a kraken and stuff like that. Um, uh, that I played during the pandemic and. Uh, There's Wits and Wagers, which is like a trivia game that I think is really fantastic for a group of people. Um, And it's got like a Vegas feel to it. So that's always fun. So, yeah, definitely uh, like another thing I could just keep ranting on for so long. I'm a huge board game fan. So.
0: Well, here's here's a a tangential question. While you're playing board games, are you like, let's get out the snacks, maybe some drinks? Or are you just like, I'm focused, nothing, no distractions?
1: Boy, I am, I'm so flexible. It, dep- it really depends. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give one more game a shout out here. There's this game, Happy Salmon, which is like, it's kind of a kid's game, but it, it gets very intense and competitive. And so how the game works is you have a deck of cards and everybody has like uh, directions on the card. And so you're looking for someone else with the same directions. So you're like running around the room being like, oh, who has high five, high five. And like, you know, trying to like high five someone to get rid of all your cards and go through all the different directions. And like drinking during, you know, that and snacks is like perfect. Sometimes it's like a more strategy game and the people I'm with, you know, really are trying to focus. And so it just, it also depends. Yeah, the game, the people I'm with, but yeah, I like to try and be flexible because, you know, sometimes I play with people that are like more really into it. And then sometimes I'm just playing with people trying to have a good time. And, you know, I just, I'm always trying to have a good time. So whatever, whatever, you know, works with the group.
0: Yeah, I think the the key is, if it's a new game for everyone, is that the instructions aren't too lengthy? Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll see one where it's like a, a you know, a full almanac worth of yep. instructions, and I'm like, oh yeah. no, this yeah. is <laughs> really <proud> for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why you know, great to have YouTube. Anytime I see that, I'm just like, all right, I guess I'm going to YouTube. So
0: <laughs> someone explain this for me in five minutes. Yes, that's a good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's a good strategy.
0: Well, so. I've got. It looks like I've got a list. I've got. I've got some shopping to do.
1: Oh yeah, well there you go. Yeah, you'll have to see if you if you like any of them. I would I would definitely say um, yeah pendulum's uh like the the instructions were a little like oh I feel like overwhelming, but like once I read them <laughs> I I understood them. But it was just like sometimes when you when you just see it, you're just like, Well, that looks like a lot. And then yeah. like you read it you're like, Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But uh yeah, it's that's that's the board game design part. So, you know, that's on someone else. <laughs> exactly yeah let them let them worry about it that's fine yeah
0: nice nice well you're almost off the hook but we've got to end with our top three and this is another thing we're talking about beforehand amusement parks obviously besides perhaps a funnel cake the best attraction of an amusement park are the roller coasters and, I do
1: love funnel cakes, though oh, so good.
0: <laughs> Just eat, them, eat them after the roller coasters, yeah, yeah. That is definitely good advice, as I have uh, failed to do sometimes, and always, yeah. when it happens, but we've we've gotten older, we've gotten wiser. But as an amusement park aficionado and a roller coaster enthusiast, what are your top three roller coasters?
1: Oh man, uh, there there are really so many great ones. I would I like. I would say that one of my favorites I've ever ridden was um, uh, Nitro at Six Flags, uh, New Jersey, which also has this roller coaster, King Ka, which is currently the tallest in the world. So double whammy, you'll get to ride Nitro <laughs> and you know go that. But Nitro, is it's got no flips. It's just like huge hills that you keep going up and down, and you get a ton of that weightlessness feeling, which I, I really like. Um, so that's definitely one up there. I would say at Universal, there's the Hulk ride, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Hulk ride. It was like one of my first upside down roller coasters I went. Um, I'm assuming it's still there because that was a while ago. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was a really great roller coaster as well. Um, and I'm trying, there's this, I'm I'm totally going to blank on the name of it, um, but there's this one ride in Thailand, which I would put at number three, which probably wouldn't pass American safety standards, but it's like, <laughs> uh you like everybody sits on this like circle uh like huge circle and then the circle just bounces up and down but you don't have any seat belts so you're just kind of like bouncing up and down it's very unique i've never ridden anything like it um definitely wouldn't fly in america but definitely really fun. a lot of weightlessness (laughs) feeling so that's right that's gotta be my top three
0: (laughs) that is fantastic and i i think hulk is still there i remember it being there well i mean I think the last time I was at Universal was 2017, maybe 2016. And yeah, uh, it was there, but it was um, it was undergoing repairs. So it was closed. Uh, but Interesting. Apparently, it's going to open up with even I mean, I assume it's opened up by now after four or five years, but maybe they're still doing lengthy repairs. Who knows? Um, but Yeah. Better than ever.
1: I'm sure yeah, and that yeah, that's great. It's a great ride. And there are, you know, Universal Disney, there are a ton of really great rides there. So um I'm a big fan of when you can do really effective storytelling with you know your experience and Universal Disney just master that. So
0: awesome, awesome. Well, everyone that is going out traveling, stop by whatever the closest amusement park is and <laughs> go enjoy yourself a roller coaster and then some fun yeah. cake. And then perhaps read a chapter or two from your next big idea, where can people find it?
1: Yeah. So if you're interested, you can go to your next big and then you can click on the shop button if you want to purchase, or if you're just interested in learning more about the reviews or some of the press, you can just check that out there. Um, It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can find it at some local bookstores as well. So uh, yeah, you know, check it out if you're interested.
0: <laughs> and if people want to get in touch with you, what's, what's the best, where are you on
1: the socials? Oh yeah. The socials. Yeah. You can, um, you know, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll just like throw it out here on my website. There's an email. If you're, if you're interested, you want to connect with me, you know, connect with me. I love hearing from people. So please, you know, reach out.
0: Boom. Boom. Well, Samuel, thank you so much for hopping on. This was fantastic. And
1: yeah, lots of, lots of great ideas, both here and in the book. I love it. There you go. Yeah. Joey, thank you so much. This has been really great.
0: Awesome, and let's end with a corny joke, as we always do. What does corn say when it's complimented?
1: What does corn say when it's complimented? Um, Dang. I I don't know. What does it say? Aw, shucks. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) I'm going to steal that. (laughs) Please do. Please do. I love that.